In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you were a young boy growing up in in a family, one of the chores that you're given, at least for myself, was to, in the summer months when the grass grows, to to cut the grass. And growing up, we had this, this old, this very old tractor. It was a John Deere. And it never seemed to die. It was, it, it was quite heavy. It weighed a ton. But it was real quality, and it never seemed to die. Year after year, I was kind of hoping it might die, so we had a quicker, faster version. But... Every year, after the cold winters, it would restart and it would, off it would go. And I remember <clears throat> my grandmother, when she moved close by, what came with, with her house was also a John Deere tractor. And I remember going there for the first time to, to start it up and to use it and see how it would how it would, would drive. And the thing was made of, of it was all plastic. Um, it was constantly breaking. And it certainly was not the same kind of John Deere quality that I was used to. Turns out that John Deere had bought this bought out this other company, had slapped their label on it, and had sold it as their own. So it really wasn't a real John Deere. Even today, despite where we're at, this term... um, for someone to, to say Irish, often you, all, you, you also think of this term Catholic. It's synonymous in a certain way with, with Catholic, just as when you say John Deere, it was or it always was synonymous with this idea of quality. And even today, so something that you think people in America or people in the continent, they... If you were to meet them and you were to say you were Irish, instantly there's this idea that you must be Catholic too. A certain American by the name of Joseph Biden claims time after time not only to be Irish but also to be Irish and Irish Catholic. And he does this for various reasons. The, the main real reason for him doing this is to, to justify his immoral policies that are in place. And I suppose it's, there's a nice kind of ring to being Irish Catholic. And there's quite a history that goes back for being an Irish Catholic in America too. So it kind of suits his agenda to claim to be Irish Catholic. 
But reading in a paper just two days ago, one of the journalists, I think, put it quite well. That for Joe Biden to claim to be a Catholic, he is as much as authentically an Irish Catholic as a leprechaun hat in a St. Patrick's Day parade. Now, Joe Biden isn't the only one claiming to be an Irish Catholic. Falsely so. Even in our own country here, many Irish people claim to be Irish Catholics and are very far from that. And sometimes when, when a brand, to go back to our original example, and a, a brand is, is, is suffering, is doing poorly, and they're trying to figure out what are they doing wrong, how can they change things to sell their product, to sell more of their product. One of the things that they could do, and the most logical thing to do, if it's a successful brand, is to go back to the values of the founder and to try to figure out what was his idea and try to recreate that. And if we are going to claim to be Irish Catholics, maybe we also should go back to the person who brought Catholicism to this country. To go back to St. Patrick and try to look at and see what sort of man he is, he was. Because it wasn't, it wasn't something Because there were before him, there were others before him that tried to bring Catholicism to this country. And they were more or less, mostly less successful. But St. Patrick, after he came, not only was Catholicism firmly established in this country, but you can say for 1,500 years after he died, it was synonymous with being Irish. Even even in the, the first few centuries after he brought Catholicism here, um, with, the, with the barbarian invasions that happened in the continent, in many ways, Christendom was kind of preserved in this country and then, and then re-spread out to the continent. And again, that's because of, because of St. Patrick. And then we can talk about these that 800 years, that there was this, this oppression for 800 years, trying to squash out this Catholicism from over the Irish Sea. And this perseverance, this continuation, all throughout these 800 years. And then even more recently, this phenomenon of having too many priests in this country and spreading them all out to America, to, to Africa, to all these different countries. Again, a legacy of St. Patrick. St. Patrick the man, what do we know about him? We, we, we know some things. We, we have a little bit of information about him. 
But perhaps the most telling thing about St. Patrick is the one prayer that he wrote, his breastplate, the breastplate of St. Patrick. Because in there is really an insight into his spirituality and the type of man that he was. And what comes across in this breastplate is that St. Patrick, and it's clear that he had qualities, he had talents, obviously, for him to be that successful. But what comes across in that prayer is that his trust was completely in God, not in himself, not in what he could do, but completely in God. And you know the prayer. I don't have to read the whole prayer in front of you, but just to remind you, God's power to sustain me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ when I sit, Christ when I arise, Christ in the, ha- in the heart of every man that thinks of me. In other words, he wants people not to see Patrick, but to see Christ. And he, wa- he wanted also to give Christ and not to give Patrick. And he knew that it was God's work Not his work. He was just the instrument for that work. Something else that we know about St. Patrick is that he, for various reasons, he wasn't a very well-read man. Um, But one of the things that we do know is that that he, he knew the scriptures very well because it comes across in the few writings that we have of him. And he, he would have, he must have, and perhaps it was a favorite passage of his, he must have read St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. And this is where the, the apostles, his disciples, are going around and they're trying to cast out demons. And they're unsuccessful, and they come back to him and they, they ask our Lord to help them, to help him. Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus rebuked him, and the devil went out from him, and the child was cured from that hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus secretly, and they said, Why could we not cast them out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For amen, I say to you, if unless you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove from hence hither, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible to you. But this kind is not cast out but by prayer and fasting. This faith, like the grain of a mustard seed, was certainly the faith that St. Patrick had. And for him to come into this country, this, this barbarous, cold, rough climate, 
and to have the faith that, that he was coming and he would bring the faith to these people because it wasn't him, it was Christ working in him. Perhaps today we can say that the, the voice of the Irish are crying out once again for St. Patrick as they did of old. But this time they're crying out not knowing what they want. This time they're crying out they've, they've thrown off their inheritance. But yet they're crying out all the same. And today, on this feast of our patron, let's go to St. Patrick and not lose hope. Think of, rem- remember the sort of hope that he had coming into this country with nothing, only with that faith. And let's remember, first and foremost, not to trust in ourselves or what we think that we can do. It's beyond us. And if we look around us, it's far beyond us. But if we can put our faith and have a little bit of that faith, like St. Patrick had in our Lord Jesus Christ, he can begin to use us as his instruments. And then, and then, perhaps we can say that we are Irish Catholics. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.